Well, it was, it's interesting. Holiday weekends are always interesting because you sort of shut your brain off about Wednesday. And so I had to get all of my outline done uh, between Monday and Tuesday and, and Wednesday morning. And, uh, and so I, I wrote the outline that you have this morning early in the week. And then I did like you. I didn't think about it. I just ate. All I did, I just just sat around eight and and uh, we had a good time. And when I began picking this back up on Friday and looking at it, I just realized that man, this there's some really cool stuff in this material, uh, and sort of hanging meat on the skeleton. It got me excited about the series that we're going to get into this week. If I could do anything this Christmas season, I would like to sort of help you elevate the the real meaning of Christmas out of the cultural. Um, malaise that we are in. It's not that I don't like those things. I, I love Christmas. I enjoy celebrating Christmas. I actually, I still actually believe in Santa Claus. No. <laughs> uh, I, I enjoy that though. I always have. Uh, and I don't think there's in, anything inherently wrong with that. There's many of those traditions that I've enjoyed through my lifetime that I wouldn't want to take from people. Uh, my concern is that sometimes I think though in the midst of all of the activities and all of the things that go on, we kind of lose sight of, and it may be clichéish now, we lose sight of the real reason for the season. And I enjoy all the things. In fact, doesn't the place look wonderful today? Isn't it great? And uh, I, I want to thank our young adults. Uh, our young adults stayed after church last week to do this, at the request of the school, by the way. Uh, this is one of the coolest things. Every year about the middle of November, we get a call from the school saying, are you all going to decorate this year? We tell them we are. And so they like for us to decorate because it's during this season that they have a lot of their musical productions and they have their band uh, do things, their jazz band and their pool band and all that kind of stuff. And they said, uh, we know La Mesa has the best band in the valley, but we have the best decorated building in the valley too. And so they love that. Uh, we're going to try to find out when that is and try to be uh, here on those nights to provide coffee for them this year. We're working on trying to get that uh, done. But uh, it's just, uh, we have such a great relationship with this school. And, um, and so it's, it's just neat to walk in here and, and this uh, sort of uh, kind of lifts my spirits. I don't know about you. In fact, I really dread the first Sunday of January because it looks so boring. So we're going to have to do something this year to liven the place up a little bit. But uh, anyway, it's uh, I really hope that uh, in the midst of all the fun and enjoyment and parties and celebrations and all the things we have, that what we do here on Sunday morning can remind us of what an amazing event this was, an event that is described in John chapter 1. We're going to kind of use John chapter 1 over the next several weeks. And it's not traditionally a Christmas passage. There's a lot of Christmas in the passage, but you're not going to read about you know, the, the, the angel's pronouncement to, to Mary and the angel speaking to Joseph in a dream. Uh, you're not going to read about all of the events surrounding the birth of Christ like you will in the book of Matthew and in the book of Luke, which is where those are recorded. But there's some truths in here that we need to understand because they really tell us the truth about Christmas and what we celebrate at Christmas. In fact, John 1.14 is a is a powerful, powerful passage of scripture. And, and really, I think you could describe Christmas this way. You ready? Here it is. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, if we stopped right there, that is the meaning of Christmas. The word 
which is representative of God, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So here's what we're going to do this year. We're going to use uh, in weeks ahead a tree as a sort of uh, symbol of our faith. And this week we're going to talk about life, which I don't know about you, but when I choose a Christmas tree, my family likes a living Christmas tree. We like to go get them. And I know some of you like the fake ones, but we don't like to be fake around my house. That's, that's not, I'm just joking. But we, we don't do that. We go get a, a live Christmas tree every year. And we started using that as sort of symbolic of what we're going to talk about today, and that is the tree of life. Uh, Jesus was something very unique. And then we're going to talk about next week the lights that we put on our tree and how this scripture says the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. We've seen his glory. Uh, God is, has, has brought light into the darkness. He's brought an understanding to our minds of who God is. And we've seen his glory, and then it says... Uh, glory as of, the, as of the only Son from the Father. And then he says, full of grace and truth. And so when we're going to put some ornaments on these tr this tree and we're going to look at the ornaments, the things that we are recipients of because of this child who came into this world. So that's kind of what we're going to do. So what I want to do this morning is I want you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. If you don't have one, you'll just have to listen and as I read along because I want to read... Uh, all the way down through about the 17th verse of the, of the chapter 1 of, of John, or 18th verse of, of chapter 1. And I want you to just listen to this story, and I want you to think of it in light of Christmas, okay? And not, you're not going to talk about mangers and stables and all those kind of things, but I just want you to think about how much in this passage of Scripture is indicative of what God wants us to celebrate as Christmas in the coming year. So let me read it. If you have a Bible, you ought to look at it. Uh, if you, we tell people all the time in our day you can turn in or turn on your Bibles because you may have them in your phone or something, but read along with me. We'll be reading the ESV, English Standard Version. Let me read it. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and through him or through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He became a witness to bear witness of, about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, but his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh, get this, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, 
this is he of whom I said, he who comes after me and me ranks before me because he was before me. Now, let's stop right there. Mary was not pregnant with Jesus before Elizabeth was. So there's something deep in the meaning of this. Okay? We'll talk about that. Um, for him, for from him, from, from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He, he, Jesus, has made him known. He's made him known. When I read to this amazing passage of scripture, I read some things that I need to inform my mind of because when we think about the life of Jesus, a lot of times we get caught up in what he did and while what he did is very significant, if we miss who he is, we don't understand really the purpose for why he did what he did. We don't get it. And much of our world today, even in circles that identify them as Christian, themselves as Christian, they have a confused idea about who Jesus really is, but who Jesus is really does matter. It really does matter. And when we look at this amazing passage of scripture, we, fee, we, we see some truths that are absolutely amazing, truths that have the ability to literally transform our life. Now, when Jesus came into the world, he came in some very unique ways. Now, if I were God, I probably would not come the way he came. I'd probably come with a bunch of pomp and splendor. But that's not the way he came. What's interesting is that there were those who knew he came, and he very, he very much came in unique ways. Imagine, if you would with me, being one of the early uh, participants in the birth story. And if you would have heard what they heard, if you had experienced what they would experience, you probably would have thought to yourself, this is not a normal child. There's something uniquely different about this child. I mean, think about Mary. Mary, an angel, appears to her and says, hey, you're going to have a baby. A virgin will conceive and bear a son. I don't know about you, but I would think to myself, okay, this is true. This is not just a normal child because, as we know, Jesus was born of a virgin, which was very vital and really critical in our doctrine and our belief system because the virgin birth means that he was born of the seed of God. He was not born of the seed of man. And why does that matter? Because if Jesus had been born of the seed of man, he would have been sinful just like you and I. But the Bible says of Jesus, because he was born of God, he would tempted in all ways as we are, and yet he was without sin. I mean, what child is this? And then Joseph, learning of Mary's pregnancy, ready to put her away privately because he was a gentleman. The angel appears to him in a dream and says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what is in her is conceived of the Holy Spirit. And you will call his name Jesus. for He will save his people from their sins. I don't know about you, but if I'd have been Joseph, I'd have thought, whoa, what child is this? Think about the other people in this story. Think about the shepherds. They're just out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord appears to them. 
and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were fearful. Fear not, I bring you good tidings of great joy. For in this day, in the city of David, in Bethlehem, in the city of David, a Savior is born unto you. And you'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying cloths and lying in a manger. I don't know about you, but if I'd been one of those shepherd guys, I'd have thought, whoo, what child is this? And then think about the Magi. They probably came to this conclusion by study, but when they finally get to the birthplace of Jesus, however length of time that was, when they looked in this manger, they saw something different than they'd ever seen. And they probably thought to themselves, whew, what child is this? And think about Simeon. Eight days after his birth, they bring Jesus to be presented to the temple, which is what Jews, Jewish people did, Israeli people did. They brought him to be presented. And a man named Simeon, who had been told by God at some time in his life that his eyes would see the salvation of God. And when they placed that baby in his hand, he basically says, I can depart in peace. What he means by that is, I can die now because my eyes have seen. What child is this? What child is this? There's another character that we don't even pay attention to in here. It was actually a prophetess. That wasn't a, person, a lady who makes a lot of money. Okay, It was a, a lady who, who was a prophetess. Her, actually, her name was Anna. And Anna, the, prophet, uh, uh, the daughter of uh, Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, uh, uh, same thing. She, she got to see with her own eyes what God had been promising Israel for hundreds of years. And I can imagine in her mind, she would have thought, what child is this? Well, this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about this child, who he was, what he did. And what you and I are recipients of because of this. Because you see, when you look in the passage of Scripture, you'll understand that Jesus basically is the Word that became flesh. That's who He is. He is the Word that became flesh. Now, out of that, I want you to see four things this morning. Four things that I think will help you a lot. Number one, I want you to see that this child is the source of all physical life. He is the source of everything that exists. He is the source of all of creation. He is the one through whom all creation began to exist. Everything. And the Bible says that in John chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, it says all things were made through him. All things were made through through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In other words, anything you see, everything you saw, everything you see with your eyes, a result of the creative power of this child who in his preexistence literally spoke the world into existence. Notice if you would back in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Now you got to understand this. This child was God in human flesh. He was God who came in human form. Now, that's a hard one for some people to get. In fact, if you look at some of the major religions of our world today, this is their rejection of Christianity. This is they don't believe in any way 
that God could become human flesh. Let me tell you why many religions deny that Jesus was God in human flesh because they believe that had God come in human form in flesh, he would have been corrupt just like they are. But see, what they don't understand is that because Jesus was born not of the seed of man, but of the seed of God, he was not born with the sinful nature that you and I were born with. He was born as God. So as God, he could be tempted, as we said a few minutes ago, in all the ways that we are tempted and probably even beyond anything you and I can even imagine. Because listen, the, the enemy knew this. Satan knew this. If he could trip up Jesus, he wins everything. He was tempted in all ways as we are, and yet he was without sin. Well, why? Because he is God. In the beginning was the Word. That's talking about Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now, what does that mean? It means basically Jesus preexisted any physical existence. He preexisted any physical existence. But here's what I do know. Everything you and I see, everything you and I touch in this world in some way goes back to the creative power that God expressed through the person of Christ in bringing our world into existence. Again, all things were made through him. And without him not, was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, John 1 sounds vaguely familiar to another passage of Scripture in the Bible. In, in the beginning was the Word, Word with God, Word was God. Anybody know where there's another verse that sounds similar to this? Where would it be? How about Genesis 1? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was void and without form, and darkness covers over the face of these. And God said, what is that? Those are words. God said, let there be light. And God said, six times you find this expressed in the Bible. Because you see, the Bible tells us that it was through the word of God that the worlds were formed. The word of God, the worlds were formed. It's what Hebrews 11.3 says. By faith we understand the universe was created by the word of God, by the expression of God. The non-material God, the spirit God spoke into existence the physical world so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Now, you've got to understand this. Jesus is the source of everything physical and everything in our world. Everything in our world. Everything. And yes, he created to be reproducible, and, but I'm going to tell you something. God is the one who started it all, and God created it all, and it's from him that everything we have finds its existence. You see, this child, this child that they looked at was the source of all physical life because he is God in human flesh. So the second thing is not only is the source of all physical life, Jesus is the source of all spiritual life. Now, you go through those six days and every time it says God said, God spoke, God created, God did this, and then he comes to the creation of mankind. It's a little different here. Because the Bible says that when God created human beings, what did he do? He didn't just speak us into existence. The Bible says God formed us from the dust of the ground. We're all made out of dirt. Okay? 
And, and the reality is the Bible says God literally formed us from the dust of the ground. And then what did he do? He breathed into our nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. He became a living spirit. We were different than everything else God created. Everything God created. There is a religious view in our world today called pantheism. Basically teaches that God is everything and everything is God. Really, there is no God. We just worship things is all we do. Well, we don't believe in that theory. We believe that God created mankind. You and I created us uniquely different because he breathed into us the breath of life. And we became a living, a living spiritual being, which means we were created with the capacity to have communion with God. Now, the, the earth can glorify God. I mean, I can look out in the heavens. The Bible says the heavens declare the glories of God, but they don't have fellowship with God. And when God created us, he didn't just create us to be physical beings. Some of us act like we're just material beings. He created us as spiritual beings. Now, the sad reality is when sin enters into the world because God told Adam, Adam, don't you eat of that fruit of the knowledge of, tree, of the tree of, of knowledge of good and evil because in the day you eat of it, you will what? Surely you'll what? Die. Did Adam die? Well, yes. Immediately, spiritually, his fellowship, his communion with the Father was interrupted. Was interrupted. And only because God sought him out was there any fellowship between God and Adam. In fact, Adam was hiding from God. Some of you do the same thing. Some of us do the same thing, don't we? And the truth is we're born in sin. And because Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they died spiritually in an immediate way. That didn't mean they couldn't have spiritual thoughts. I mean, we live in a world where people have all sorts of spiritual ideas. But they couldn't have communion with God. Physically, they died progressively. How many of you are actually getting better every year? Maybe you younger ones can say that. But there's a point of no return. I, we put up Christmas decorations yesterday, and our Christmas is up in the attic. I can't tell you how sore I am today. Okay. I remember when I didn't get sore putting up Christmas. So this is our last year. We're done now. <laughs> the truth is, when you're born outside of Christ, you don't have. You may have illusions. You may have ideas about God, but you don't have fellowship with God. And physically, physically, whether you like it or not. You're headed out the door. And then ultimately, if one does not have a relationship with God, death comes in separation from God without any opportunity to know him for eternity. But here's a cool thing. God, who breathed into the nostrils of Adam the breath of life and he became a living soul, in the person of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, again, has the ability to breathe into our lives spiritual life. 
Look with me, if you would, over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I love this passage. I didn't put any of it on your outline, but I want to read it to you because I think it's so cool because it's talking about this necessity of spiritual life. Look again with me, if you would, before I look at that. Look at John 640. For, the, for this is the will of my Father, that, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. Excuse me, I read the wrong verse. Chapter 2, uh, verses 6, 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. You guys, you guys have figured that out? The, the flesh only gets in my way. Okay? It's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. In other words, Jesus said, I didn't just come so you could have biological life. I came that you could have spiritual life. In fact, in John 10, 10, he says, the thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that you might have life and you might have it abundantly. In other words, everybody in this room, we all have one thing in common. We all have biological life. Every one of us is biologically alive. If you're not biologically alive right now, now, would you please let us know? But Jesus didn't just come so we could have bios or biological life. It's not the word he uses in this passage of scripture. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you might have life. And the word there is the word zoe. It's not the word bios. He's taking, uh, he's lifting us out of just biological existence into a place where we have spiritual communion with God. It came that you might have life an abundance of life, a quality of life, a spirit of life, and that that life you would have abundantly. Now, again, look at, listen to me in, in this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He's speaking and he says, yet among the mature, mature we do impart wisdom, although it's not wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age, because, who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom from God. Okay? In other words, here's what the apostle... We're going to give you a wisdom that didn't come from men. This came from God. Which God decreed before the ages of, for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, who, what no eye has seen nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the spirit. In other words, the things that we need to have spiritual lives don't come through just biological or through cognitive or intellectual pursuits. These things are revealed to us through the spirit for the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person? What simply means is this. You only know of me what I reveal to you. There are things about me you don't know. And I'm not telling you. But there are things about you nobody else. Now, here's what I do know. The closer I get to someone and the more I believe I can trust them, the more I'm willing to open up my heart. There are people in this room who know some things about me they probably wish they didn't know. And so here's what you got to understand. God reveals himself to us is what he does. So he says, no one knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, 
but the spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given us by God and we impart this in words not taught in human wisdom but taught by the spirit interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. In other words, you're not going to understand the things of God. You're not going to understand the spiritual things of God unless God ignites within you the receptors that allow you to understand the things of the Spirit of God. Then he goes on to say this. For the natural man, the natural person does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, nor can he understand them because they are spiritually discerned. You see, you and I have to understand that Christianity is not just a cognitive thing. It's not uncognitive. Please hear me. It really does make sense. But it's only real to you when the child who came at Christmas and when you recognize what the child at Christmas did opens up a way for the Spirit of God to be able to communicate with your heart. So what child is this? This child is the source of everything physical. This child is the source of spiritual life. And last, third of all, the source is this child is the source of eternal life. John 6.40 says, This is the will of my Father that everyone who looks upon the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. Everybody say eternal. Eternal life. And it's important you understand that's everlasting life. And I will raise Him up on the last day. The Bible says in John 5.24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes. Whoever hears my word and believes, him who sent me has eternal life, does not come into judgment, but he's passed from life or from death to life. You see, what you and I receive because Christ came is not just physical life. That was ours before Christ came or before Physical life existed before Christ came. The child in that manger was the creator of the universe. The child in that manger is the one who brings spiritual reality and awareness to our heart. But when we receive that, we have this incredible promise, the promise of eternal life. Now, that eternal is hard for me to imagine, isn't it, for you? I mean, it's just hard for me to get my mind around it. That's the reason you call me PJ, you don't call me God. You see, the reason God's the author of eternal life is because he is the eternal God. That's who he is. God never came into existence. He's always existed. All things that were made were made by him, so he was an unmade thing or an unmade person. And he's existed in eternity past. He exists today. But please hear me. Because he's God, you can't ever turn him out. You remember the, uh, uh, years ago, the, the, they came out with a T-shirt that said, God is dead. And um, Nietzsche said it, God is dead. I saw a T-shirt a while back. On the front it said, God is dead, Nietzsche. On the back it said, Nietzsche's dead, God. God's still doing fine. 
We have eternal life. It's everlasting. And here why. The reason we can have eternal life with the Father is because this child that came into our world is the eternal God. And when we believe in him and we receive him, we are granted the gift of eternal Zoe. Now, it's going to be different. You say, but I, I know people who have died. I know people whose bodies have ceased to exist, but they didn't die. In fact, Jesus said that uh, to Mary, remember Mary, when he, Lazarus, he says to Mary, he says, Mary, you believe in me. Those who believe in me will never die. That's what he said. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And he who believes in me will never die. This body won't last forever. Not this one. But the Bible says for those of us who are in Christ, to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. That's what it says. Now here's the cool thing. The Bible says at the end of time, God's going to raise these up and we get a new body. It's an imperishable body. It doesn't, it doesn't grow from turkey. Maybe it does, but it won't hurt you. You eat all the turkey you want. Okay? And we get eternal life. And here's why. All because of a little child that came into our world to give us life and to give it to us eternally. Now, this last one's not in the text so much, but I wanted to mention it. John does talk about it in the book of John. Because I think because of this child, you and I have a resource. We have a source for relational life, healthy relational life. I, I just wanted you to hear this. You know, I, I, think, I think there are a lot of people today who say, okay, I'm right with God, but I can live the rest of my life not being right with other people. That's not true. The great commandment is this. Love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and then do what? Love your neighbor as you love yourself, which means we all love ourselves, right? You know, And so he says, look, you, you love God with all your heart. And you love your neighbors, you love yourself. Look at this passage of scripture. Jesus said in John 13, he says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also love one another. By this, all people know that you're my disciples because if you have love for one another. There's a relational side of this thing. You know, I've discovered people who come to Christ um, and they learn to walk in Christ. I'm not just talking about come. I'm talking about learn to walk in Christ. They don't just become converts and become disciples of Christ. They get along better with other people. They really do. It doesn't mean I agree with people all the time, but I get along with people differently. Why? I've learned something. If God would forgive me, then I would be a kind to other people. Well, who is this child? He was God. He was God who came in human form. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, 
glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This child was God. He was the creator. Everything that has ever existed, existed either by his direct creation or result of God's creative power. He is a source of spiritual life. We're born again in the spirit of God because of what Christ accomplished for us in, on the cross. Jesus, this child was the source for eternal life. And Jesus is the source for healthy relationships. You know, I tell people all the time, if you want a healthy marriage, the best thing to do is get to know God better. Because if you get to know God better, you love everything else differently is what you do. And God knows in the Christmas season, it's a time when broken relationships kind of emerge. Have you seen that? You guys notice how Christmas is a time where you either think about broken relationships or sometimes we create broken relationships. Wouldn't it be cool if the Jesus we believe in this year doesn't diminish the relationships we have with people around us, becomes a mechanism we have either to build or maybe even rebuild? some broken relationships. Now, you may not be able to do that because it takes two for that to happen. But you can do everything God asks of you. And here's why you can do it. Because if God loved us so much that he was willing to leave heaven where he was God, eternal God, to have a relationship with us, then you and I can take the time and the effort to walk across the street or drive across the town or to pick up the phone and call and begin to ask God to help you rebuild the relationships that are really important. And who knows, who knows, God might use you to bring another person into a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're nearly at Christmas. I cannot believe it. And I, it just seems like we took these lights down a few weeks ago. And here we are again. But isn't it just like God that he reminds us regularly that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I hope you have a great Christmas. I really do. Enjoy the stuff I hope you got a beautiful tree in your house. I really do. I don't know if we can buy you a tree. We bought you a turkey if you needed it, but I just like having a tree in the house. It's a beautiful reminder to me that God is a source of life. But in the midst of all that stuff, please pull Jesus out of the confusion and out of the clutter and out of the busyness and remember that this season exists because God came into our world so that he could have a relationship with each one of us. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you, God, that your word teaches us very clearly that the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. 
glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And I pray that in this Christmas season, in the midst of all of our activities, I pray that we keep central in our mind that what we celebrate is God with us. Father, if there's anyone here today who's never trusted Christ, they've never really received him into their heart, I pray, God, that they would realize that you love them so much. And I really believe this statement, God. You love them so much. If they'd been the only person alive, you would have still come and lived and died in order that they might have life. Father, I pray this morning that uh, maybe through this season, hearts have become cynical and hard toward Christianity or maybe the season of Christmas that you might massage their hearts and, and help them to have hearts that are soft and open to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, that thank you that you came as a child and as a child you were God our creator you were God our salvation through which we find spiritual life you're a God who promises us eternity and you're a God who helps us live in relationship to one another right here and Father I pray again that if there's anyone here today who's never accepted Jesus God, they would talk with someone. Maybe they have questions, have doubts. But God, your spirit is dealing with their heart this morning. And they know that's the spirit of God trying to bring the life of Christ into them. And God, I pray they wouldn't walk out of here. But they'd open their hearts and listen and receive the gift of Christ. Because as many as received him, those he gave the right to become the sons and daughters of God. And so God, I pray this morning that each of us who are saved would appreciate what you've done for us. Again, God, if there's someone here who's not, that they might receive the gift of eternal life. God, we thank you as we enter now into a time of worship. Help us to honor you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Real quickly before we sing.